Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. You know, it's always interesting to see who stands out amongst this group and, and who's truly putting in the effort because I think there are always a dozen or two players that you, that kind of stand out. And of that group, there has to be at least four or five where you say they absolutely help themselves, right? They came into this week maybe as a day three pick, and now we're talking about them as a top 100 choice or something. So when they get on the field, go head-to-head against some of the top competition, it, it can't help it but improve your stock. That is Eric Edholm, who was on with us yesterday. Talking draft, Senior Bowl. You can find that on demand at WGR550.com. Jeremy is off today, and Sal is in, and we go to the Western Hotline, who is down at Mobile, Alabama. We had him on Monday to preview, Friday to recap at least some of the practices. Lou DiBiase, my brother down in Mobile, and I believe you're being joined by, like, uh, all these legends from back in the day, like Jerry Rice are down there. There was a parade, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. so there is actually a parade going on this weekend. But, yeah, Terrell Owens was there yesterday, Jerry Rice. It's the 75th anniversary team. So there's a lot of legends in the NFL that are down here. Okay. That's why, okay. That's why I'm seeing all these legends down there. So mm-hmm. how is the uh, how are the practices going? You've said this before, right? The practices are better for judging these guys maybe than the game is? Yeah, I mean, it depends on what position you're looking for. I think from a defensive perspective, the practices are really good. They kind of take over each game. Um, I should say each practice, you know, Tuesday through Thursday. A lot of scouts and media actually end up going home today. I mean, I'm staying for the game just because I'd like to evaluate the offensive players on Saturday. But, yeah, I think the practices because – You know, each drill kind of shows off a different strength or if there's a weakness you saw in film that you're kind of looking to confirm or raise more questions about. You can kind of see that maybe for like a corner and one-on-ones or a linebacker and 11s. So for most people, the practices are the best part of the evaluation process. You you enjoy this, right, every year also, right? Like, I I know, like, you do. Like, you wouldn't go down there if you didn't. Um, But, like, in terms of an event to go to for you covering it, how do you how do you like it? I love it. I mean, for me, I've always been a draft nerd, and I think this one is the best that you can – I mean, I would watch one-on-ones between receivers and corners for 24 hours straight. It's that exciting, and the rosters this year are really strong. So the good news is, too, is the Senior Bowl this year is allowed underclassmen. So I think the roster is a lot better than it was, you know, compared to last year. So, yeah, I mean, it's just great to, you know, have the entire NFL down here, you know, see all these top prospects – 
practices give you just so much different stuff to look at, and then the game too. So, yeah, honestly, it's one of my favorite things to do each year. The Bills often, Louie, you know, they, they are very big on the Senior Bowl. They have been, at least. You t- take a look at their tie-ins, the guys they drafted, the guys that played in the Senior Bowl. It's often a lot of correlation there. What about the Eagles? Are, are, do, are they a team that st- you know has a good correlation between guys who've been there and guys they draft? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, last year they drafted Sidney Brown, the safety out of Illinois. Uh, he was one of the standouts at the Senior Bowl. So I think sometimes they – like to go with underclassmen too. So there's been times that I've been down here studying a lot of prospects they could be keeping a close eye out for, and they kind of gone in different directions. But this year, I think from at least an Eagles perspective, there's a lot of guys that I'm hoping they do focus on, at least from a second and third level perspective on defense. I've been watching a lot of linebackers, safety, and corners because that's what I think this defense needs a lot. The thing is with general manager Howie Roseman, he has a track record the majority, probably 90% of his first and second round picks go to the trenches, offensive and defensive line. I feel like it's been a little bit overkill over the last few years, so I've been focusing on those other spots. But, yeah, if they're going to take somebody from down here, I would imagine it's a lineman like, you know, Tyler Guyton's had a great week, the uh, tackle from Oklahoma. He met with the Eagles several times. So if they're going to do something from the Senior Bowl, I I think it's going to be a trench player. All right. Bill's perspective, receivers, how are we looking? And is this Lad McConkey uh, taking over these practices the way it kind of sounds like he has been? Yeah, he's been literally unguardable in one on ones and four on fours. It's been really impressive. He's, you know, somebody that's going to get pigeonholed into this slot conversation, this slot stereotype. But for me, I've been really impressed with the long range speed he has. And for a guy his size, like, he can really high point the football. This receiving group down here is. Last year, I didn't think on paper it looked great. Of course, then you got Puka Nakua, Rishi Rice, you know, Tank Dell. So it was a lot better than I thought when I was originally down here. But this year, just from a top-to-bottom look at the list, like, it's been really good. Tez Walker from UNC has really turned heads. He might be one of the best home run hitters in this draft. Deep threats, first or second-round prospect. Uh, but a lot of the slot guys kind of won some money this week. You know, we mentioned McConkey. I think uh, the Michigan receiver, Roman Wilson, might have been one of the best players, regardless of position. So if you're a Bills fan looking for a receiver, there were a lot of guys that showed out this week. And I think Saturday during the game, it'll be even better to watch. Does McConkie, like just one more follow-up on him real quick. Do you think after yeah. watching him and reading and knowing about him that he does track more towards a slot guy? Because for the Bills... Yeah. I mean, Shakir's going to be the slot guy. I mean, almost undoubtedly, and Kincaid is going to do that too over the middle. So for the Bills, you know, like that outside ability to play the Y, you know, with Diggs playing the X, I think is going to be pretty vital for whoever they look at. Yeah, I mean, he's not somebody that won't be able to play the X or the Y, but when you look at the size, I think one of his weaknesses still is the inability to play through contact as much. But if you give him a free release off the line of scrimmage, like he's going to turn you inside out. So, yeah, honestly, for where the Bills are picking at the end of the first round, even the early second, for the kind of receiver they could use, I think they could use any kind of pass catcher this year. But I think you would look more towards like a Tez Walker, uh, Xavier Leggett from South Carolina had kind of a rough day on Tuesday, but this is a guy that's very physical, one of the best players when it comes to contested catchability. He really impressed on Wednesday, and then Thursday he got a little banged up. So I think for the Bills, yeah, you're probably watching those guys. The thing is, the receivers that did steal the show, they kind of are in that you know Khalil Shakir type mm-hmm. of mold. Like Roman Wilson is kind of that guy too. I've heard a lot of comparisons to Tyler Lockett down here for Wilson. So. 
yeah, it's been a lot of the shiftier, smaller receivers. Even like uh, Jaquan Jackson from Tulane looked good too. It is kind of then that kind of pass catcher that looked good. The Bills really shouldn't be in the market for an offensive lineman, but defensive line, especially tackle the interior. I mean, they got a lot of uh, guys. Contracts are up. They're going to have to kind of replenish there. We'll see where they go. What have you seen from that group? And obviously, Sweat's the guy that a lot of people talk about with his size. Yeah. But what have you seen from that group out there, Lou? Yeah, Sweat's been really good this week. And honestly, even though we're talking a lot of receivers, you know, secondary players, the strength of this class is yet again probably offensive and defensive linemen. Tyler Guyton, as I mentioned earlier, on the offensive side has been great. But when you mentioned defensive tackle, uh, Braden Fisk from Florida State's been one of the best guys out here. So, yes, yeah, the Bills are looking for another interior defensive lineman that can get to the quarterback but can also you know, stop the run. Um, that's a guy with a lot of length, a really high motor. Um, yeah, th- this class, honestly, the one-on-ones for you know pass rushers and offensive linemen, that might be even more fun than receiver and corner one-on-ones. So I think if the Bills do need somebody like that, another guy that kind of turned my head a little bit on the edge is Darius Robinson from Missouri coming off an eight and a half sack season, like crazy length explosiveness. So, yeah, I mean, if the Bills are looking for a defensive lineman, I know fans probably don't want to hear that for their first few picks, but the strength of this draft yet again probably is in the trenches. But but they'll need it. I mean, I, I agree with yeah. you with, you know, like I don't think it's going to be the sexiest idea, but – They've basically got Von Miller, Greg Rousseau, and Ed Oliver under contract right now. Kingsley right. Jonathan, too. Um, so they've got to do stuff there. And that means inside and at the edge. And they've invested so much in the edge, first and second round picks, that like the guy you just mentioned and I, whoever else is down there at the Senior Bowl or not, like maybe Senior Bowl guys are good to target for the Bills that position, too, because they're going to need, they're going to need players to come in and maybe contribute right away. Yeah, and the thing is, too, free agency still hasn't even happened. I mean, there's still the trade market. So right now I think you can watch a Senior Bowl kind of all-star game go on. Mock drafts are starting to come out. And you can kind of paint the idea of what you want the Bills to do based on a need perspective. But, you know, if they go out there and let's say they probably can't do it from a financial standpoint, but let's say they go out and get a Michael Pittman or, you know, they even sign a second-tier free agent like a Hollywood Brown or a Curtis Samuel, I feel like then that can maybe change your mind and I think – fans might be more in on the idea of trenches early in the draft. So it also really depends on what they decide to do in free agency. I really like the receiving group that's available this year in the open market. So I think, you know, once that happens, then the focus can really shift towards the draft. Yeah, they'd have to go bargain bin hunting for sure if they did that. But for sure. how about yeah. at uh, at safety? You, I forgot the name of the guy. You'll remind me, I'm sure, in two seconds. But there was like a Kyle Hamilton-type monster 6'5 safety, yeah. whatever, that was down there. So what does that position group look like this week? Yeah, so that's James Williams from Miami. That's the prospect I kind of fall for every year, even though sometimes it doesn't work out as – Give me the six five plus guy with the wingspan that played in the secondary. I always want to try to develop that player, even if it doesn't work out. Like Tariq Woolen was down here a few years ago. Um, and then there was a kid from Boise State last year, uh, JL Skinner, I remember, that didn't work. So, you know, it's kind of hit or miss. But this safety group is really good. Cameron Kitchens from Miami, his counterpart is actually probably the best guy down here. He had five interceptions last year, six the year before, like, if the Bills are going to take a safety in the first round, I would be familiar with the name Kinchins. But uh, Javon Bowler from Georgia is here, too. Probably a day one or early day two prospect. The safeties are really good. Um, again, they allowed underclassmen, so Kinchins was available to come. James Williams, who they've actually though been playing more at linebacker than safety. But it is a good crop, and with Micah Hyde, a free agent, Jordan Poyer up there in age, and who knows about the future of Taylor Rapp. 
it's probably a position the Bills are keeping a close eye on. What's the weather been like this week down there? It's been awesome. I mean, I've been only this is year three. <laughs> the last two years, a lot of rain wasn't as warm. Yeah. but I mean, my whole half of my body is sunburned right now, so I can't. Oh. you are the worst. Well, we say we are so bad with sunscreen. Me and him together. It's like I'm oh, not really? the least surprising thing ever oh. is that Lou is sunburned <laughs> when he went down to Mobile. <laughs> I had to get well, it's, it's February. <laughs> Yeah, I get it. Listen, I I was I only went there down there once. It was actually right before the pandemic that year in 2020, and it was like the coldest week of the year down there. At least the weather wasn't that good. But they people around there said, yeah, for some reason every year around this time, Senior Bowl time, they don't yeah. get very good weather. Like it's like that one dip in the. So I'm glad that you're experiencing better weather. Yeah. I know neither team here, the team that we cover, the Bills, the team that you cover, the Eagles, Lou, are in the market for a quarterback. But what have you seen from the quarterbacks down there this week and how things are trending? This seem, seems like a really you know, good class, a, pretty, a, a little bit of a deeper class as well. Yeah, it's been a lot better than, I mean, last year, the top name I can remember was like Jay Kaner. I mean, there, it really mm-hmm. wasn't that great. The year before, you had like Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis. This year is definitely, at least since I've been here, the deepest group. Um, Sam Hartman from Notre Dame. Of course, you got the top guys like Michael Penix, uh, Bo Nix from Washington, and then Oregon. But, you know, Hartman's here. And then even the maybe the most natural passer that's been the most impressive on the field is Spencer Rattler from South Carolina, who I'm sure most remember from Oklahoma was a projected sometimes number one overall pick a few years ago. Rattler's actually been pretty impressive. I mean, he's a very natural passer. But I think the best quarterback overall has been Penix. I don't think he's, like, totally turned heads where now he's quarterback three over, like, a Jaden Daniels from LSU. But I think he kind of cemented himself. The interviews were really impressive, too, from Penix. That's probably a guy I think goes inside the top 15. Like, you look at the Atlanta Falcons at number eight overall. I would not be surprised if he's a top 15 pick. So Penix has probably been the most consistent guy. But the one that, if I could say, becomes a player from day two or day three, that's probably Rattler. Yeah. What do you, Penix, it's his stock seemingly had dropped a lot since that national championship game where it felt like his athleticism got exposed. Isn't he kind of a, for you, is he a weird evaluation? Because he's got the arm talent that makes you think he can make any throw on the field, but then you watch him in, you know, in game settings and sometimes it can look like, you know, they're, he's going to be one of those quarterbacks that needs an elite offensive line or he's not going to be able to do anything. No, I, I agree, and I kind of even noticed that this week. He's not my kind of quarterback prospect. I want the ceiling guy that just has, you know, the, even though it's rare, the Josh Allen type of traits. I think Penix is going to be a pretty good quarterback at this level. But, yeah, I mean, the mobility is something that I need in a quarterback, and it's not that he's a pocket passer like Jared Goff that's going to be the worst quarterback against pressure in the league. But, yeah, I mean, he's also not a 4-4 speed guy that's going to make, you know, players miss on the second and third level. So, He's extremely accurate, though. I mean, his arm talent, he can make every throw. Is it elite tier one arm strength? Probably not. His mechanics, to me, are still a little wonky. Like, when you need to put air under the ball, it's still something that I feel like he struggles with at times. Like, watching him throw some fades this week, that's kind of where I just – the fluidity wasn't there compared to, like, a Spencer Rattler. So, yeah, I think he's a pretty fine quarterback prospect. He's still a first-round selection. But if I'm going to hitch my wagon to somebody as a, you know, a new head coach – I would probably lean somewhere else. Like I would much rather have Jaden Daniels from LSU. What What about Bo Nix? Have you seen? Is he going to be yeah. one of those Mac Jones types where he goes in the middle of the first round and yep. that team's going to get criticized for not really going for like a ceiling guy? But like, listen, if you're like Denver or the Raiders, Lou at like eleven and twelve, or maybe they're twelve and thirteen. Right. 
I, I don't really know what else you do. Maybe Bo Nix just ends up being the best idea when you don't have many. Yeah, he definitely didn't have the best week. He was pretty underwhelming. He was one of the worst quarterbacks from a performance standpoint. But, yeah, I mean, this is a guy that played a ton in college football, a lot of success. He does have mobility. And as you mentioned, teams that kind of played their way out of the quarterback market, like, you know, you even look at a playoff team or a contender, like the New Orleans Saints even, too, that if they're out on Derek Carr for the future, that's a place I could see Bo Nix go to, somewhere where he can develop behind a starter that's not a team's franchise quarterback. Yeah, there's some quarterbacks that end up getting pushed up the board farther than maybe their talent shows, and I think that'll probably be represented most with Bo Nix. I'm not the biggest Nix. The the quarterbacks from the Pac-12 are not my cup of tea this year, but yeah, I I think that Nix, even after this week, will still probably be a first-round pick. All right. Lou, uh, your thoughts on Kellen Moore, new OC for the Philadelphia Eagles. Originally, I didn't like it, but the more I listen to people that are smarter than me, I started to like it more. The Eagles last year were dead last in pre-snap motion, and that was kind of something I was hell-bent on for the new coordinator. And Kellen Moore's offenses have been consistently at the top of the league in that. Um, It sounds like he really helps scheme players open. It just felt like way too much last year. Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith, and A.J. Brown, they had to carry this offense in spite of bad coaching, and I think it was part of the downfall. So, you know, Kellen Moore was a hot head coach name for a few years there in Dallas. They, he kind of fell off the last two years, but you know, compared to the alternative, compared to what they had last year, um, I definitely think it's an upgrade. So I'm still skeptical with the way the coaching staff is set up. I want the head coach to be the play caller long term because if Moore is successful, he's going to get a head coaching job next year and you're back to square one. But in a vacuum, yeah, I, I like the hire. Uh, on uh, something similar here, I'm just realizing now that I made this point yesterday without even checking in with you on it on – Sal asked me to like kind of rank, you know, put in tiers like the teams for next year, and I put the Colts really high. And one thing I said about Shane Steichen was one, what he did with Gardner Minshew, but two, that the Eagles like badly missed him last year. Is that right to say? Like, did, did is he that level of play caller for Indianapolis where it was evident that Philadelphia really missed him last season? Oh, yeah. no, And, you know, this kind of happened back in 2018, too, when the Eagles lost Frank Reich and John Filippo. Everybody was saying, and they had some issues that year. They were like, see, it wasn't Doug Peterson, it was Frank Reich, which wasn't true. This time, I, I really do think it's true that Shane Steichen was one of the corner pieces of that uh, Super Bowl team. And it wasn't just 2022, but when Nick Sirianni gave him play calling in 2021 when they were 2-5, and five, they won seven of their last nine games. Like he's one of the best play callers in the league. And as you mentioned, they were in playoff contention with Gardner Minshew all year. The guy was in the Pro Bowl this week, as ridiculous as that was. So, yeah, Shane Steichen. When you're talking, when you're tiering play callers, he's probably in tier one. All right, you're gonna be back by Sunday to help me knock that wall down, Sal. He's uh, we're knocking some walls down at the house. <laughs> Don't ask you me guys to ever go, man. Up for you. But I can destroy stuff for sure. I'm <laughs> Love it. Yeah. See, I'm the same way, Lou. I'm the same way. You can do I am, it doesn't matter. Like I, it, 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 change a light bulb. I'm calling somebody. All right. But, but you, you can just exactly. wreck something. I can do it. Right. That's the, yeah, that, you can take something down. And tell me which wall to hit. All right. All right. Well, we'll do that. So I'll see you Sunday. All right, thanks, guys. All right, fly safe. Lou DiBiase, he's at the Senior Bowl. If you want, he's throw, he's throwing highlights out there too. So at Louis. All right. Uh, at DiBiase, L-O-E, excuse me, on uh, Twitter to catch him there. We've got instant trivia coming up. We've got our stat of the day coming up as well. And Colin's been waiting patiently on hold, so let's get him in before the break, actually. Colin in Rochester. Thanks for uh, holding, Colin. What's up? Hey, how you guys doing? Um, 
So I just wanted to get two things by. I wanted to see what your guys' opinion for who we need to keep as far as, you know, free agents this year. Just your guys' opinion. And then the other thing that's been bugging me for, for a couple of years now is how is Steve Spedno, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, for Kansas City's defensive coordinator, not get a, a coaching job offered to him? Because you never hear anything about it with his name. I'm pretty sure in the past he used to be a coach a long time ago. Mm-hmm. It didn't end too well, but he's had so much success. I'm like, you know, I, I don't understand how they always can keep these guys around. Matt, that was just Colin. I want to get your guys. I asked that same question to Joe, didn't we? Just yeah, Colin. I'm with you, buddy. Yeah. I I said the same thing to Joe last week, maybe earlier this week. I said well, exactly what you just did. Like, why is Steve Spagnola not getting any love or run at all for head coaching opportunities? And you know, Joe pointed out his age. There's a trend in you know younger mm-hmm. coaches. I I understand that. I agree with that. Um, but man, like, and and it would, Colin. You're right. Like. He was bad as a head coach in St. Louis. His record was at least, right? He was a Yeah. It was it did not go well in St. Louis. They had like a two win season. His they never cracked like six, seven wins yeah, in his, three years. His record as a head coach all time is eleven and forty one. Yeah. And that's pretty bad. <laughs> it's pretty now that bad. was a while ago, right? right? That was right, even yeah. pre move for the Rams, but I mean guys get second chances and opportunities and you never know, and you probably learn something from that. So Colin, I'm with you. I don't know why he hasn't, you know, even if he doesn't get hired, I don't know why he's not been in the mix for any of these jobs, which is kind of weird to me considering the success of the Chiefs defense. On free agents, all right, Joe, if I had to rank, if you had to rank all of the Bills, like, pending free agents, mm-hmm. I, I understand money is going to be an issue with some of this, but I think Leonard Floyd might be at the top of mine. Like, I'd love to have him back for the Bills. Mm-hmm. Daquan Jones is right there. I... Be considering the Hyde and Poyer situation, I wonder if I'd look at Rap and Cam Lewis before I'd even get to Gabe Davis. To be quite honest, I th- would agree with the lineman for sure. I might even I'm trying to think. Would I put Jones one? I mean, it's two years in a row where mm-hmm. he misses a game or a series of games, and you instantly yeah. notice the impact that that makes. That's right. And I'm not saying Leonard Floyd wasn't important. Leonard Floyd was vital. I mean, if they didn't have him last year, double-digit sacks really was their most consistent edge rusher. Him and him and Rousseau, in terms of like the advanced numbers, like win rate, were like right there, neck and neck for the best pass rusher on the year. But Floyd, of course, got the sacks. Um, he was he was critical. But I don't know. I might put Jones one because he was just so good. He did a lot for Ed Oliver, I think, in the last two years. And he's that perfect he's that perfect idea of a partner for Oliver in that he can be the space eater, but he's also like he can do a little bit of everything, right? Like he can he can be a guy though mm-hmm. that's also getting through and rushing the passer. That was one thing that always kind of frustrated me when they had paid Star Latulale was this guy's only giving you one element of you know, one one value on that defensive line. He's only going to eat up blocks for you. There is no extra layer of, okay, once in a while he can rush the passer. And Jones maybe is just good at it on top of what he can do for you in the run game and helping Oliver. So I might put him one. And I don't expect him to be super expensive. Like, I'm not saying he'll be I agree. nothing, but... I agree. What do you think he gets? Like $5 million, $6 million bucks a year? Like, I, I think if that's... That, if- if that even, I mean, you know, sometimes the, yeah, the D lineman. It seems like you can get D lineman for a lot cheaper. Yeah, um, they, you know, they become so many more in, in a lot of systems rotational pieces, and teams aren't investing a ton of money 
unless you're at the very top end of that group, which he's not, but he's a really good player. Yeah. But yeah, the, the sneaky one I think that is out there that I would I I like him too, but you can't go overboard. It's Ty Johnson because he's mm-hmm. helped. But don't we learn every year there's a guy like that around? Like, pretty pretty much. He's he's yeah. an example of it. I think. Yeah. 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 Exactly um, right. Your overall point though of like Gabe Davis being further down the list, like I I agree with that. I, I think. There's got to be something, another idea there. And also, real quick, just to round this out, on Epinesa, I'm just kind of subscribing to the idea that they're not going to get him back because he just feels like an, a guy mm-hmm. that March, th- whatever the date is, is it March 1st that free agency happens? Or March 13th? Uh, or this something? year it's the 13th. I okay, think, 13th. March March 13th at whatever. 11th, the, March 11th is the day they can start talking. The 13th is the day they can sign. Gotcha. So whatever day that is, we're going to see a tweet about A.J. Epinesa getting some contract and we're all going to go wow I can't I like AJ Epinesa but I can't believe somebody gave him that contract. I feel like that's going to happen. So, time out here when we come back, get some instant trivia for Sal. Uh, we've got uh, our stat of the day. I got the numbers well. on the head coaches. I got the numbers on the head coaches do that. for you. I want to talk about offensive versus defensive and where that's living right now in the league. So that's coming up as well. Stay tuned. Time for your phone calls as well 8030550. Open the rest of the way, so we got time. Jody Biasi, Sal Capaccio, Jeremy off today. This is WGR. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. I'm not saying that the man can't coach. I'm not saying that the man doesn't deserve a job. I'm not even saying he doesn't deserve to be a head coach. But an NFC East rival coming off what I saw them do. Am I excited about this hire for the nation's capital? No. (laughs) Stephen A. Smith, uh, ESPN (laughs) yesterday, which is kind of a form of how we talked about Dan Quinn and the Extra Point Show yesterday, right, Sal? Yes, I think that's right, yes. Just not, like, the most inspiring hire. He might be fine. I mean, he, he went to a Super Bowl. You know, he picked the right offensive coach at the time, and he had... The a good defense, not a great one, and it was good enough to be in the Super Bowl with Atlanta. Eight oh three oh five fifty is the phone number. So Dan Quinn gets hired. A theme maybe of the off season for these vacancies of more defensive hires than we've seen in the past. And Sal, you've got the numbers on what we're looking at now: offensive versus defensive for head coaches. I do, I do. Here they are. So believe it or not, um, we're we're getting closer here. Eighteen. Coaches, right now, we're, we're done with the coaching cycle this 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 time around. Yep. Uh, every team has a head coach now, 32 of them. 18 of those coaches are known for the offensive side of the ball. Some coach both, right? Like Brian Dable is coached on defense and offense. So, like, some have done that. But he's mostly, I count him as an offensive guy. He really kind of made his mark as an offensive guy. 18 on 
offense, 13 on defense. This might be the the highest amount and ratio we've had offensive defense in a while, Joe, from mm-hmm. more on defense than, than we've had in a while. One, one, John Harbaugh comes from the special team side. Now, he did coach tight ends early in his career. He did coach DBs also in his career, but he's mainly a special teams guy. Mm-hmm. And I've maintained and I've said special teams coaches should get more looks. They are... They are the coach that works with the entire roster and knows how all the players and everything works within the framework of the team, probably better than an OC or a DC, right? Um, yeah. So, but but that's a guy there. And, and uh, Adita Kinkawabla, she actually tweeted at me when I wrote that, and she said, hey, funny you say that. She had an article about this last week, about why right. more teams aren't looking for like a special teams guy, uh, a, a John Harbaugh. And yes, I agree with her 100%. And she writes in there like how Marv Levy was a special teams coach. We know that. But 18, 13, and 1 is the breakdown. Now, JC tweets at me and says, well, it didn't work out for Joe Judge with the Giants. Well, that's true. I mean, there's no guarantee anybody's going to be a good head coach. You can – Joe Judge was a right. special teams guy. Right. right? I mean, you there's failings every year from offensive guys and defensive guys. It doesn't take away the point I'm making, which is – Special teams coaches work more with their whole roster than any other, so I think sometimes they should be given more looks for that reason. Yeah, and Joe Judge, I'm going to put on the uh, the theme of Belichick coaching tree guys not working out more so than I even want to go for uh, to make it an indictment on special teams guys becoming head coaches. It is all about, and there are more and more. Are there, maybe, maybe this is true, or maybe it's just that the hiring cycle or the hiring, uh, you know. The trend in recent years is it's just going to be younger. It's going to be new and fresh, so it's going to seem more advanced maybe just in terms of that, that there are more of these offensive minds out there that you can bring in and hire if you have the right head coach. I mean, D'Amico Ryans brought in Bobby Slowick from where? Like He was an assistant to an assistance coach on Shanahan's staff, and he's a young guy. And you can, if you can keep him around for a couple of years, like the, the the questions about, you know, who's calling your plays on offense, are you going to be able to keep continuity up there, you know, at least for the time being, like Houston's got that and Detroit's got that. And I think Philadelphia is going to have that with Kellen Moore this year. I think he got, you know, a raw deal in LA because everybody got hurt, including his quarterback. And I think... Like where the Bills are at, too, for this. Like, how Joe Brady fits into this mix, he he does not have kind of the the proof in the pudding as much as maybe Slowick does or Bobby Johnson does. But I don't know. Like, I kind of want to put him in that category of teams are going younger than ever at coach. And you can, like, what was Joe Brady? Like, he had a couple of years experience, but... He got his first job in Carolina as a play caller in the NFL off not a, t- a much of a resume. Now it's more, you know, if t- there's no, I don't think there's as much as there used to be of you got to earn your stripes, right? Because in the 90s, I, I bet Joe Brady would have to go like seven more years as an assistant coach before he would have got an opportunity like he did with the Bills. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, yeah, man, the, we have such a difference. I, you know, it's a good, good exercise. Like, I, I will go back and look and think about and have to do the numbers. What, you know, what ages coaches were back in the mid nineties? I mean, you had a yeah. lot of older coaches. You, I mean, Joe, the thought was essentially you rise up the ranks. You have to put your time in. You got to be in there for a long time, and then you get a job eventually when you've put all this time in and you know, kind of earned your keep. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, hey, man. This guy came in, 
His unit was awesome, and we got to get that. Let's go. And that's pretty much the trend now. When I mean, Sean McVay is still one of the youngest coaches in the league, and he's been right. a coach for seven years now. Man, it's been that long. Seven years, he's still yeah, going. He right, he was seventeen. Yeah, he was hired right. the same year as as McDermott, I think. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's no, that's right, that's right. McDermott, by the way, now he he's not old by any means, and he's the tenth oldest coach no. in the league. Like he's I, it's in amazing. The top 10. It is amazing. Yeah, at forty, what is McDermott? Forty-seven. Yeah, third most tenured, fourth with those guys with Shanahan and McVeigh. They're all there together. Shanahan and McVeigh. Yes, that's and that's it. Was that all the same year, right? 17. Yeah, that's right. So a lot of trends going on in the league. And then and then there's the Chiefs. I know you said like all these coaches are are full. Are you giving any thought to some of these uh, stories and speculation about Reed as the day as we get closer and closer to the Super Bowl? I feel like I'm seeing more and more written about whether Andy Reed could walk away. But I'm trying to figure out if there's actual any concrete evidence that says that or if that's just mm. you know it's an interesting story so more the more people that see it the more people that will think it's interesting by the way just to correct myself fourth most tenured those guys uh tomlin harbaugh reed they're the okay. three most tenured yeah harbaugh tomlin harbaugh reed then it's shanahan mcveigh and mcdermott all in the same year i i don't give much credence to it joe do i think that he could think about it sure do I think he probably thinks about it sometimes here or there because of his age and what he's accomplished? Sure, I think it's kind of natural for anybody. But I do remember talking with Josh Klingler, the sideline reporter for the Chiefs, a few weeks ago before the lead-up to the Bills-Chiefs game. And he kind of had a comment just as we were speaking, like how there was something out there about Reed. Maybe it was when Schefter put it out. Like, a, like something out there about Reed and possibly retiring. And he kind of totally dismissed it. He's like, yeah, that's not happening. Like, all right, so I'm just going to go by that, thinking, all right, people in Kansas City are saying, yeah, that's not happening. But there's been a little bit more of a groundswell, and I do think as you get closer to, hey, if he wins this thing, what more is there to accomplish? Maybe you get more to that, and maybe he thinks more about that. But I know when we had Josh Klingler on, mm -hmm. he basically kind of dismissed it outright. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, I don't know that we're going to know before Reed kind of announces his retirement or says that it's over. I, I feel like he could go for another seven years, or I feel like it could be done, you know, a week from Monday. Um, it could be anything, really. Time out here. When we come back, we'll have that stat of the day for you. I've got a different coaching question about a for sale about a proposed fantasy dynasty coach league that we've been talking about for a while, and I think we're finally going to pull off sometime next week. we still got to get people for it. Um, so I want to get into that a little bit as well in the 9 o'clock hour. We'll have some fun leading into the weekend uh, as you know, you got your all-star games this week. you still got some NBA stuff, but a lot to get to. Stay tuned. 803 is the phone number. Jeremy off today. It's Joe and Sal here on WGR. All right, Josh has some instant trivia for us today. Instant trivia brought to you by The Farmer's Dog. Fresh, human-grade dog food delivered right to your door. I believe, Josh, it's also uh, all-star themed. It is. It is NHL all-star themed. Rasmus Dahlin, that's who it's got to do with. He is the seventh player in Sabres history to earn three or more selections to the all-star games and the fifth to do so in three consecutive seasons. So... Who are the other four Sabres to go to an All-Star game three years in a row? Okay. With the Sabres, I'm assuming. Yes, yeah, with the yeah. Sabres. Okay. 
Four other Sabres other than Darlene that made three straight All-Star games. Um, I mean, this has got to be Gilbert Perot, right? No, he is not really? one of the answers. So- all right, what, what is the question here? I'm sorry, I just... So, for, Darlene is the fifth Sabre to make three consecutive All-Star games. Oh, wow. There are four others, and I'm 0 for 1 already because I guessed Perot, and I guess he didn't... All right. In 16 Dominic years, Hasek. he never went to three in a row? Dominic Hasek is correct. That is one of them. Okay. And you're, I can't believe Perot is not one of them. You're That's right. That's nuts. I was, I was shocked, too, that. when I saw that. I, I, didn't, I didn't think that was real, but it's, okay. it's true. Hashik and now I'm spooked to guess anybody because I th- that was my the one I was like most sure of. Um, all right, how about Alexander McGillney? Yep, that's one. So you have two more. Okay, Joe, do we want to go? Did Vanek do this? No, I don't think three in a row. Um, I'll. How about Pat Lafontaine? Incorrect. No one. Okay, so because think about it, they send one representative every year, and they were bad, so there weren't a lot of other options. So Jack Eichel went three years in a row. Yep, Jack okay. Eichel, and then there's one more. If you want a hint, let me know. It's not obscure. Oh no, I want it then. If it's if it's hard, then that's the one I, I want to. Oh I no, get it's it. it's it's not it's not that hard. It's it's okay. Pretty pretty obvious. Okay. So what? Who do we have so far? We have Eichel, we have Hashik, and we have McGillney. And Darlene, of course. And there's one more? And there's one more. And it's not LaFontaine or Perot. Or Vanek. Well, no, we didn't guess Vanek, so I guess we don't know. It's not Ryan Miller, right? No, it is not. Okay. Is it... Can we get... Is it... I, I mean, I could let, I could go through a whole bunch of guys and think, like, okay, good I'll, players, I'll, but... I'll give you a hint here. It's the same... Can we give an era? Yeah, it's yeah, the same an era. era as Gilbert Perot. Okay. Uh, oh. I will say... It's either Martin or Robert, maybe? I bet it's Martin. Uh, French Connection. I think you should go Martin. I think Rick it's Martin. Martin. It is Rick Martin. That's correct. So Rick Martin went three go. years in a row, but Perot didn't. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. It's I I, I don't really there could know. have been an injury, of an injury guess, maybe too. maybe or I wonder if players yeah. sat out back then. I don't know if that was a thing back then. Interesting. I'm look at something here. Yeah, I know. I like want to find out like why the and again like he never went three years okay. in a row. All star, all star, seventeen year career. I guess at the at the last like four or five years. He was no, I mean he was a thirty nine goal scorer in. It says in 70, 75, 76, and 76, 77, he was on the All-Star team. He's I only, mean, he has him as the All-Star team four years in a row, actually. Well, I think, I, he I think go? the way it used to be, because they used to have All-Star like first team and second team. So I oh, wonder if the yes, NHL record, yes. yeah, right. maybe that's how it's considered. I'm looking it, at his official if page If you go right to now, his reference page, yeah. two-time All-Star, it says. Two, that's what I have, too. Two-time All-Star. Right, which, so seems, I think, which seems insulting. I, I, that's why I think it's like first team and second team, but then the NHL like did away with that in like I don't know maybe the eighties or something like that. But no, not even that. I mean, he finished All Star second team twice, and that's it. He finished All Star fifth team, but like, what is what does that mean? Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's weird. All right, good good uh, trivia because I was definitely thrown off on that. We'll have the stat of the day for you. We'll have some fun. I've got Golf Channel on in here right now. Uh, just saw Brady and Allen again out there. They had some back and forth yesterday out there on the course. I just want to throw one Allen question, golf-related, 
when we come back that we might move on very quickly from, but I've seen it elsewhere. So Josh Allen choosing to go to this tournament, is there anything worth mentioning there? We'll get to that. And also um, this Coach Fantasy League I want to talk about a little bit before we get out of here too. One more hour to go here on the morning show. We've got the Extra Point Show coming up next with Zach and um, with Zach and Josh coming up at ten. So stay tuned for that as well here on WGR. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, Elle King, Christina Perry. The King's Theatre in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheatre.com.